everybody, the con artist here. It's time for our end of core discussion uh, for fall 2019. So, man, it's it's been an interesting season. I think this was like mm. one of the leanest seasons we've had so far. Yeah, guys? Pretty lean. Yeah, like I've watched a lot more things in the past, but whatever. It's nice to have a little break. Definitely. Always, always good. So this time uh, it's myself, Sue, Scott. Hello. And Dan. Hello. We uh, put Brendan on a rocket and sent him back to the moon. Sorry, Brendan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. So let's let's jump you know right in uh, and kind of get to what we're talking about here. So I'll start with uh, Kono Oto Tomare season two. So for those of you who don't remember very much, this is basically just uh, the trials and tribulations of a Koto club at at a high school. Those kids gotta um, be super wealthy, okay? Yeah, exactly. The the Koto is a very impressive instrument. Um, so anyway. This season just continues onward from exactly where we left off in season one. Uh, the Koto Club continues to be only for those who have the most tragic of backstories. <laughs> you can only join if your backstory is super tragic. Uh, this time, actually, though, instead of Koto killed my grandpa, which is what I thought it was last time, uh, it's it's really turning into more of Koto healed my soul. Aww. Uh, and I think that's going to be the pervading theme moving forward. Uh, the, the goal this time was for the team to get to nationals. So we spent the whole season really working our way towards that. Um, if, if you read our color awards post, which you really should, cause I worked really hard on it. Uh, you'll so, notice that it's, it's so great. This, this show actually got an award from me, which is a little shocking. Uh, it's a very comforting show. That's the best way I can describe it. Like everybody in the club is so su- incredibly supportive and caring of one another that you just you really get wrapped in this nice fuzzy fuzzy feeling when you Aww. when you watch it um yes it's basically a sports show let's be real the beats are very predictable and stuff but i think sometimes there's a there's an enormous comfort in familiarity you know um this season gave us way more koto music it's really beautiful music um Ooh, i'm not right. getting a whole lot of music theory which is what i complained about in the first season but i think I think I'm done complaining. Like, it's really a go-research-that-on-your-own type of thing. Uh, I'm too much into the macaroni and cheese of the show and how soft and fluffy... Comfort food. It is. Um, so just really quick, one of the things I really liked about this season was the new character. They introduced Akira Dojima. They they put a lot of effort into writing her, I think. Like, I think everybody's backstories are, in some ways, kind of ridiculously tragic, like a melodrama <laughs> kind of tragic. And her backstory was a little more believable. So just a quick aside, one of the lead characters, Satoa Hozuki, gets kicked out of being the successor for this Koto school that she's a part of. The Dojimas are like a subsidiary school. So Akira is brought in to be the new successor, uh, which puts an enormous amount of pressure on her uh, she's not a very like naturally gifted Koto player. She really joined just to spend time with her brother. So she gets stuck being the successor uh, after her parents die in an accident and her brother has to go make money. So, um, you know, one time she spends two solid years learning this one song that's extremely complicated and involves singing on top of playing mm. the song. In addition to just really getting, you know, an expertise in, in the Koto instrument. She goes to a competition. She and Satoa actually end up in the same competition. Uh, and this is before Satoa gets kicked out. And um, she she plays her heart out with this song. She practiced for two years. Satoa gets on stage, plays a song that she wrote herself to try and reach her mother, like send feelings to her mother about how, how she's feeling inside. And loses because... Satoa loses, I should say. She gets disqualified because you can't play something that isn't on the docket. So they kick her out of the competition, and Akira wins, and she has a mental breakdown. She's like, let me get this straight. I practiced for two years straight, and in reality, you should have won. You wrote this song yourself as a high schooler, and it's a super profound piece. The only reason I won is because of the rules of the, like the competition. technical disqualification. Exactly. And so it's just this horrible breakdown, and she's like, this awful feeling of no matter how hard I work in life at the Koto, and kind of a metaphor for anything, I cannot ever achieve 
a level of of that that others can achieve who are naturally gifted. And I think it was a is a powerful motivator for her feelings and following her trials and tribulations. So I I really liked that theme and overcoming that theme because the show puts her in and then everyone in the Koto Club is suddenly like respects her instantaneously after watching her competition. In the beginning, they're like, you're mean and awful and we don't like you. Uh, and then they watch her competition because it was taped and they're instantaneously like, okay, you're, yes, you're fantastic. Your talent is real. You're not just pushing on us because you're a jerk. Like, they all respect her and the time mm. it took her. They really, you know, revere her skill. And so the show was like, hey, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be naturally talented. You know, this is a learned skill. And the time and effort you put into mastering anything, uh, in her case, the Koto, is valid. And it, it, people will see your feelings and, like, see how hard you've worked and respect you. So anyway, that was a lot, but I really liked it. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like so, yeah, there's a this, lot going on. There's a lot going on. So this season was good. Uh, I liked, you know, we got to learn a little bit more about all the other schools they're competing against. The Kota music was good. Everything's macaroni and cheese soft. There's lots of hugs and it's it's great. It's warm and fuzzy. I recommend this show. Um, Will there be a season three? Check it out. I really hope so. It's a very okay. long running manga and it's, it's quite popular. So I'm hoping they did well enough for a season three. Uh, it's not next core though. Okay. Going to so. be at least something of a break. Yeah, there'll be a break, but I would I would totally watch more. It's a very soft and and fluffy show. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, so who's next? I'll pick it up from there. So I uh, checked out. Didn't I say to make my abilities average? Which is sort of one of the you know, one of the isekai shows with the difference that this time it's a girl who gets isekai, which is relatively rare. So I was like, all right, we'll see what they can do with it. Uh, the main shtick of this show is sort of reference comedy. So the main character makes lots of references to various other animes and also calls out some of the isekai genre tropes as they happen. Like, you know, she gets hit by a bus or whatever in, in, on Earth, and she's like, there it is, the isekai bus. Like, <laughs> it's, it's I'm about to get hit. Uh, when she's okay, doing that's like hilarious. There. It was kind of funny. Like, some of these jokes land, like that one definitely did, and I was chuckling. Some of them don't either because I don't know the reference or, like, it's too uh, tortured, I guess. Uh, the cons of the show, like, man, it is just super duper mediocre like this show is almost wholly unmemorable uh there's end up being a team of four girls and they do stuff but none of it feels like it matters like it's all vignettes and very light character building with nothing of substance going on like there's kind of barely a plot but whatever like every time you know if it gets serious to be like nope it's joke time because like it's a comedy show uh, so I don't know. In the end, I don't think I'd recommend it. It was just sort of there, and I'm definitely gonna forget it pretty quickly. Scott, I'm unclear what your problem is. Didn't I say to make my show average in the next oh, life? See, and boy, did they just right in the center. <laughs> Mission accomplished, baby. Mission accomplished, guys. You did it. Ugh. Farewell, Isekai bus. Power Goodbye, and mediocrity. Isekai bus. I guess so. Yeah, just, eh, whatever. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. I guess uh, yeah. I'll, I'll jump in next. Um, as uh, anyone who followed our last podcast knows, uh, I've been following Vinland Saga. And uh, I gotta say, this second season, core, whatever you want to call it, the second half of the prologue, it turns out, because that is how this uh, that is how this one wraps up as end of the prologue. Um, wow. That's, that's quite a, a saga. Oh, yeah. Holy moly. Well, this is a really... Long running one, right? It's a long story, and you know, like uh, the Viking sagas that it is inspired by, it is you know meandering and takes a while to get to the point. But um, I'll say that uh, it did really well by uh, the character that I had been following. I have not cared one iota about the main character of this uh, story since mm, I don't know his tragic backstory came about, basically. But um, 
the guy who's theoretic who's actually been more of the main character through this arc, Askelad, the pirate, has been way more fascinating. Uh, he's the one around whom so much of uh, the plot ends up revolving based on who he decides to support and who he decides to betray and how he decides to try and keep the people he cares about safe. He's a much more compelling character, and his story is very well told in this particular uh, season. After a while of it kind of dragging because there wasn't really any clarity as to why he was supporting this one particular um, soon-to-be king because they make this huge point that this king is this guy is really important, but he's also just so, so lame. But he gets... <laughs> oh, uh, no. But he has a... He has a, um, he has a moment where he sort of comes out the other side and becomes much more hardened and serious. And I'm not really sure I buy that entire moment, but the result for the rest of the cast is quite dramatic, and it does result in a better show overall. Though there are certainly some uh, rough edges where it's like, I can't, you guys are trying to be really serious right now, but like people in the background are joking as like a woman lies bleeding out on the dock in front of them. It's... And it's meant to be, and like some of it's meant to be funny. It's not like, oh, these people are being callous about the death of someone they don't care about. It's no, they're making jokes about things in the earlier parts of the show while something terrible has happened. And that really, I think, is the show's biggest uh, biggest fault is that it can't really settle on a tone like a because tone, yeah, because when it's on, when it's being, you know, when it's being sweeping and dramatic and really like deeply invested in the character's struggles it can be really good and i enjoy that a lot but when it's being like more flippant or uh trying to toss in some weird comedy or when it's going into like the ridiculously overpowered dudes fighting each other it just doesn't land as well to me and i think i don't know it's just it's Hmm. uneven it's not bad it's just uneven so i'm kind of like listening to you talk about it, and I haven't seen Vinland Saga, I'm kind of reminded of um, Ancient Magus's Bride, where like it'd be all serious, then it'd be like, oh, and now it's time for chibi joke time. Like, is it sort of like that? Maybe not quite as dramatic a swing, but it certainly has moments like that. Okay. Yeah. But again, you know, overall, I'd say it's a worthwhile show if you're looking for, you know, some decent historical like drama action kind of stuff, you can certainly do a lot worse. Uh, I just think that it's taken a really long time to find its feet. And unless the next uh, follow-up like really grabs me, I'm not sure if it's going to be something that I stick with for a long time. Mm, Okay. Does it seem like they're going to make a bunch more? I mean, I guess they said end of prologues. They clearly want more. I'd be very surprised if they didn't. Hmm. Dan, really quick. Um, so I've listened to a podcast one time called Myths and, Myths and Legends. So I've, I've listened to the story of like the Volsungs, let's say. You know, this mm-hmm. is Sigmund, Sigurd, everybody's name sounds like freaking Sigmund. Um, <laughs> so do you like Viking lore? And what would you say, if yes, what would you say this show isn't doing that makes you like Viking lore? If no, then forget hmm. my question. <laughs> I would say the thing is that it's a lot less about Viking lore than it is about Viking history because it is firmly set within the context of actual events. The characters, some of them are real people. Um, unfortunately, part uh, some of this is kind of spoiled for me because I know exactly what happens to some of them. But oh, uh, okay. yeah, so you got to kind of divorce yourself from that in the moment, which is you know a bit of a challenge sometimes. But it's much more invested in history than in lore. And I think that actually is in some ways to its detriment because if it if it tried to incorporate the mythology better, then those ridiculous, like, super strong, super buff guys going around smashing each other and, like, you know, flying around, flying around into trees and whatnot would feel less out of place. But it feels really weird when you're spending a lot of time with actual characters who actually existed to see off in the distance some, you know, OC insert fanfic character smashing people around. It's just, again, dissonance. 
Okay, okay. So, wow, you almost needed you needed more of that fantasy element. Either more of it or less of it. That That's the okay. thing. It kind of yeah, Take it away entirely or lean into it, I guess. Exactly. Right. It kind of... Like, it, as if it was a dramatic retelling and some of the legends have gotten bigger with time, I guess. Something like that okay. could have worked because they do a real... When they, again, when they're trying to be super dramatic, it can often do a really good job, but that doesn't always jive with the rest of it. So, yeah. It's really interesting to get your take, Dan, because honestly, I haven't gone out of my way to read a lot of reviews but just from titles and stuff i i feel like vinland saga is getting a lot of reverence like i think a lot of people like it so it's it's interesting Mm. to get your opposite take on such things i can see why i can see why someone would enjoy this and uh you know maybe when i was less jaded i would have enjoyed it more but i just feel like for something that's going to be taking up this much of my time i need something that is going to keep me you know interested and locked in all the way through and well, if you can't just... stand the main character, that's going to be a rough time. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's the weakest part of it. I feel like he may have finally gotten out of the, like, he's kind of finally moved past the aspects of himself that I found the most aggravating. But if it took 24 episodes for that to happen, I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy watching him slowly climb his way to the heights of being kind of okay. <laughs> Drat. Yeah. Well, we'll see again how it starts out uh, in the next core. Well, whenever that is, I think there's a break coming for a little while. But um, yeah. Man, Vinland Saga, not so interesting. You know what's interesting is the ridiculousness of that Dr. Stone guy's hair. Scott, tell us all about Dr. Stone guy's hair. Sanku's hair is incredible. Also, there's a rather, there's a show built around him too. Uh and so this is the second sort of half of, I guess, what we'll call the first season. Uh, so I think I talked about it last time. It continues the strong science theme from the first half. There's a lot of neat inventions and stuff. They've got like, you know, harnessing hydroelectric power in basic ways to be able to make electricity. Uh, the ultimate plan for essentially the entire second half of the season is to build cell phones. Like very, very basic, like basically walkie talkies. They're not really cell phones. Okay, so uh, short it, short distance RF transmitters, basically. And yeah, receivers. which are okay. you know this massive, bulky arrangement of stuff because that's what they can do. But like they're gonna make. And one of the big challenges is like, how do we make vacuum tubes? Like, wow. Yeah. It, it was and like you know there were setbacks and interesting stuff and like you learned material science some more. I don't know they did a good job. Uh, another big part of it was sort of the back. There's this village that he's sort of working with, and this the the, the village's existence kind of gets backstory. Uh, spoilers ahead if you're watching it, I guess, but the idea is that there were some astronauts in orbit that weren't hit by the petrification effects. They come down to Earth and found this village uh, using a number of stories called the Hundred Tales to pass down useful knowledge to both the villagers and ultimately to like the main character, Senku himself, 3,000 years later. It's a little unrealistic, but it was also kind of a cool idea, and they didn't, like, they didn't spend too much time in it. I was worried when they started that it was going to be this huge you know, rest of the season divergence from the main plot. But uh, they, they, they did a good job, like, doing what they needed to do and getting back to the main bit. Scott, this is all really boring. What about Lion Punching Guy? He was your other favorite part of the show. Yes, you're right. It's so favorite, I almost dropped the show from him. Uh, and I basically, did. Basically, he's not... <laughs> <Good> <laughs> there you go. Choo! Check he that is... out the window largely not in it. Essentially, he is menacing. Like, he knows they're there. He, he finds out that the village is there. He knows Senku is still alive, so he has to kill him. And he has decided to attack, like, basically once winter's over. Like, once spring comes, they're going to attack. So the entire show is Senku getting ready for this attack. And we basically end the show this season right before spring. So I am looking forward to next season when the showdown is, going is like, scheduled to occur. Uh, so this was all basically build-up, but they still kept it interesting. So you know what? And again, I've, I've said it before, like... I don't like shonen shows that much, and I'm kind of invested in Dr. Stones. They're doing they're doing something right. Huh. I think you're really invested in how cool the science is. Like, if they got I rid am... of that, I feel like it, it'd be over for you. Because you you've never mentioned the lead character, nor the lead character's girlfriend. <laughs> you always mention how cool the science is. I, I mean, sure, we could talk about Kahaku, but, like, she's just, I don't know. She assists the main character, and she knows how to fight good. Like, that's kind of her whole role. <laughs> See? Yeah, so at least they're focusing on that science. They are focusing enough on the science to make things good. And actually, like one of the astronaut ladies turned out to be an idol singer, like for real, uh, on Earth. 
and they had a song with her, and it was pretty good. Like they did in English, and they did a pretty good job of it. Huh. What? So I'll give them I'll give them points for their English Idol song. Like well done. No science there. Very good, uh, very good. But I do recommend it, and that's that's what I got to say about that. All right, kids, it's time. <laughs> it's time. Are I've been waiting for this. Are you prepared for Babylon? Yeah. I was not. I was not. No prepared. one is prepared. No one ever. You guys were not prepared. Listen, I took I took one for the team here. Holy moly, this show. Um, all right, so what can I say about the show besides the fact that it's incredibly, incredibly dense? Uh, it's got copious amounts of dialogue, and majority of it has to do with the Japanese legal system. So if you're not Yay, familiar Phoenix with Wright. that... That sounds exciting. Everyone likes yes, Phoenix so Wright. if you're not familiar with that, it's just talking heads in gray suits for 20 minutes every week. Oh, uh, boy. So a prosecutor, Zen Seizaki, uh, is swept up in this big political plot that reaches out you know, to being about a secret experimental town and legalizing suicide and political corruption, whatever. The The main thrust of this whole thing is that there's a woman named Ai Magase who keeps appearing and manipulating things, uh, both politically and just in the world around him physically, that causes a metric crap ton of death. Okay? Like... This is, this is big in the show. It's all about that death. Uh, and death is a pervading theme, actually. Like, understanding death and being more hmm. in tune with death, which is just bizarre. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to really give her whole shtick and how she appears, but she's basically the whore of Babylon, like, as, as the title suggests. And what gets kind of rough is she, she effectively has supernatural powers, Right, she in the can middle seduce. of our Japanese dra- legal system drama, yeah, there's a in the middle of our, right. So it's almost like a barrier to entry, and your reward is copious amounts of violence. Yeah. Like if you get through episodes, I want to say like one through five of seven, because seven have aired. The eighth one just dropped, and I won't be talking about that. But seven aired normally. Um, anyway, so I, Magase, can seduce people with her voice, particularly men. Um, she then convinces those people she seduces to kill themselves uh, whenever she feels like it. She doesn't always do it, but she usually does it. And, yeah, so that's great. Nobody can stop her. She's like a living force, basically. And actually, before I kind of understood the whole horror of Babylon thing, I the, I thought she was a metaphor for the devil. And this was actually one of the reasons I kept watching the show because her psychological play with Zen was the most interesting part. Like, I tried to absorb as much as I can with the talking heads and the legal system, but really I was just extracting plot points to get me back to Zen and Aimagase colliding uh, over ideals because I do find that kind of stuff really interesting. So... Hmm. There is that. Like, they have neat conversations where she pokes, you know, into him. Because he looks like he's, you know, the straight-laced prosecutor guy. And she's like, well, what is justice? What is good? What is bad? You don't seem to know the difference. And he's like, no, I know what justice is. And she's like, oh, do you? Hmm. I wonder. So, you know, they're, they're playing with all these themes. So that was great. But just, yeah, late in the show, everything's just, just steeped in violence. And I is so ridiculously powerful you'd, you'd almost laugh if there wasn't blood everywhere uh, uh we're talking we're talking like bullets to the head like people are shooting themselves in the head a ton mass suicide uh and then in episode seven a character gets dismembered you don't like watch it watch it happen but it's it's happening um yeah so episode seven was just super messed up the lead character is left as a train wreck of a human and yeah they just leave us there. So great. Great. Sounds like uh, you're totally in for the rest of the show. I am tragically in for the rest of the show. Like, I am hooked <laughs> oh, on this no. train wreck. I'm going to watch every explosive minute of it. <laughs> I absolutely do not recommend this show. Stay far away from it. Uh, it's very tough to sit through. I, Magase, is absurd. And in many ways, I'm almost just curious how they're ever going to resolve this. Because they've, they've made her so powerful, I don't even understand what could stop her. 
Are you ready for noise-canceling headphones? The ultimate uh, answer. Yeah, exactly. They're like, surprise, we brought in, like, our deaf police officer who can't be seduced. Like, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I I wouldn't honestly be shocked if the finale is so unbearably tragic and Zen just gives in to being seduced by her. Because for some reason, Zen doesn't get seduced by her or she's never yeah, is that, tried is that because she's not trying or yeah i wonder if she's not trying because she finds him fun to play with she's I like oh you're entertaining so i'm going to play with you so yeah she hasn't tried seducing zen but i wouldn't be shocked if the finale is just this uber tragic like she whispers in zen's ear and he shoots himself in the head in like a cathedral or something like <laughs> the end of the omen yeah so don't watch the show don't watch the show. It's holy macaroni. I don't know what it was trying to do. I don't know what it was thinking. But, you know, you're not going to get points for just violence all day. Violence and an extremely upsetting attitude towards women. Yes, yes. Oh? It's, like, man. I mean, the fact that the devil incarnate is essentially a woman who can seduce anyone she wants at any time she wants oh, okay. is kind of like... I don't know if that's what you guys were going for, but that's how it ended up. And yeah, yeah. like there's some... That's a really good point, Dan. I kind of had to throw that out in my head because I was like, sure, of course. <laughs> like, I'm so used to this by now. Sure, Japan. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of problems. And I have actually seen episode eight and it ain't going to go the way you think it's going to go. So um... <laughs> Wait, you pushed forward? You, you dropped it. <laughs> I did. And then out of... A combination of boredom and morbid curiosity, I picked it back up. And good uh, use of morbid. Bad Dan. Bad bad. <laughs> I <laughs> I literally had nothing to do for an afternoon, so there we are. But Dan, um, I'm gonna send you YouTube videos on how to basket weave, and you're not gonna watch any more Babylon, okay? And take up macrame. <laughs> but uh yes, you are right. Don't watch this show. We'll we'll come at you next season with our final conclusion and uh hopefully you will be as surprised as we are. Hmm. Let's see what happens. Look forward to that, I guess. Well, let me uh let me go as far as possible in, in the opposite direction from Please Babylon do. with uh Chubio Gekahatsu boy. Uh, and so the, the premise of this one is there's a, whatever, high school, there's a girl who's like, man, I just transferred here and I don't have any friends. I wish I had friends. In steps the Hero Club. Five different boys who all have Chunibyo, which is sort of like a middle schooler's disease or whatever. They all think they have supernatural powers or something like that. Uh, and so it's like a, like a light reverse harem sort of along with uh, like the going adventures. So it's it's quite funny. I enjoyed it. Uh, each of the boys is delusional in their own way and they all, as the hero club, kind of pull her along into what they're doing and she kind of plays the straight woman to their antics and her exasperation is just mm, perfect. Chef's kiss. Like, Are we yeah, talking chef's, like... Chef's kiss. <laughs> Kanade levels of exasperation from whatchamacallit, classicaloids? Are we talking that level of exasperation? It's, it's like a mixture of her or like Kion from Haruhi, like not quite as good as Kion from Haruhi. Like he's 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 perfect to a T, but uh, close to that. And so she'll just be exasperated. I'm like, oh, what are we doing? Uh, but, you know, she kind of eventually gets into it. And, you know, I don't know why I'm hanging out with this club, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. So well, it certainly isn't boring. It's never boring. Uh, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that the Hero Club has an actual organization opposing it. Like the student council is like, these kids are kind of too much. Like they're making the school look bad. We got to shut them down. Um, and every episode is fun, even though like not much of any substance happens. So like, you know, attention Isekai girl. This is how to do episodic humor. Take some notes. Like I was laughing through most of it. Uh the only thing I really have to say against it, like some of the Chunibyo stuff is a little bit of a stretch. Like there's a guy who's one of those 2D otakus, like only likes some girl in a mobile game or something. Like, I don't know if calling that Chunibyo is really in keeping with the, the, the trope, but when you have to have five characters that all need to be strange, I guess you got to reach a bit. So I'll allow it. Uh, so overall, I'd say I would recommend the show if you want some comedy with a very light reverse harem setting like there's you know the vaguest touches of possible interest between characters but that is not the focus at all 
Man, good times. Good it was time. a good you time, all, surprisingly. You always seem to pick up the Chunibyo ones. I, I think I know Brendan did... Um, Bunny Girl Does Not Dream of... Right, I didn't... Uh, Rascal yeah. Does Not Dream of Bunny Senpai. Yeah, I didn't pick He's going to yell at, at me because I didn't say the title right. Yeah, you um, got it close. Yeah, yeah, which was... Su- I don't even know that I'd call it Chunibyo. It was sort of a different different issue. They kind of made up their own yeah, special thing. Yeah, but I feel like you always take the Chunibyo ones. Oh, yeah, I liked uh, Chunibyo Love and Other Delusions was excellent. And that I was think ever one. since then, I've been like, huh... Let's keep watching these. Good times. Good times. It was good times. All right. So let's jump into Chihayafuru. We're on season three, y'all. Finally. It's taken a very long time to get here. Um, Okay. So this show is sort of the opposite of what happened with Kono Oto, where that show rose out of the middle ground that I put it in in our previous discussion. This one sort of slid down towards oh, that middle really? ground a little I bit. I heard yeah. such incredibly positive things about the show from all aspects. I really love it, but I do have I have some problems with it, with which may just be my personal problem. So let's let's see what what's going on. Um, so there were characters introduced in season two. They were of no relevance whatsoever. I didn't like them. They didn't jive with the rest of the team. Um, and thankfully they are sidelined for this entire season. So we're really just Ah. following like Taichi, Arata, and Chihaya, like our main trio who we cared, cared a lot about. Oh, thank goodness. That sounds like a good thing. It is a good thing. We get a host of new characters, some of which are pretty lovable, some of which are pretty whatever. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really great. Uh, I do think getting these new characters, the only downside is that we we sideline the rest of the Karuta Club that we liked too. So like mm. Sukumo kun Nikuman-kun, Brendan's going to kill me for using their nicknames, oh. and Kana, they all just get like no development whatsoever. They barely oh. get any screen time for crying oh. out loud. They're just they're just pushed to the side so we can get all these new people as as Chihaya and, you know, Arata and Taichi chase their dreams. Um, the show continues to look beautiful, gives okay. the viewer a, a fantastic insight into the world of competitive karuta. Like every time I watch it, my mind is blown at like how much goes into competitive karuta and the, the, the rigor that people go through to play it, you know? Um, the issue here is that the first issue I'll say is that our characters get split up quite a bit. Um, oh, so you got like, in... follow them a piece at a time? Yeah, you, they end up in completely different places, and this was already sort of happening anyway because you know arata lives in like northern japan whereas taichi and chihaya go to the same school closer to tokyo or something and uh you know i was used to the show being sort of split in half like that bisected but this time we get like three different pieces and they're all moving at sort of their own speed it makes for a very haphazard storytelling Mm. like taichi really comes into his own um, he does a lot of self-reflection, and he he suddenly wants to have victory over Chihaya as opposed to just ep- appeasing her and being president of the club and getting dragged along by the ear. He's suddenly like, no, I, I really want to beef up my karuta skills just for me and for no one else. So that was a little hey, refreshing. Right. Yeah, it was nice, actually, because I think he was sort of a tag-along in many ways, and he addresses that. Like, he looks at Arata and Chihaya, and he's like, I'm tired of being the the third wheel here that's just getting dragged. I want to have that same competitive edge. Um, Arata realizes he's been looking down on Taichi, so you kind of get a little bit of self-reflection out of him. The romance angle comes out a little bit more. I mean, you already knew Taichi had the hots for Chihaya, but Arata sort of adm- admits it this time, which was Ooh, nice to see. So we're, we're up. Yeah, we're building up. We're building up that triangle. So, good stuff. Um, okay, so here's here's where I have the problem. Uh, what I find really frustrating is it flips the message of Kono Oto. So no matter how hard Taichi tries, he always fails. Like they push him to a certain point. It looks it looks great, and then he'll like go up against Chihaya and he fails. He goes to the Eastern qualifier, fails before even making it to the semis. Like he just keeps on failing. 
Arata, on the other hand, is naturally gifted at karuta, and he just always seems to win out when it counts. He's the exact opposite. Like, he'll be losing, and then, you know, the show has that, like, drama moment, and then, boom, he suddenly wins, and... Suddenly, Narciss. Yeah, mm. like, surprise. Like, actually, in episode 11, it was a little heartbreaking. Arata goes up against a guy who literally is monologuing, and he's like, I have practiced so freaking hard. Let's see if my hard work can beat natural talent. And then he loses at the last second. Like he Spoilers. makes it really nope. far. And you're like, oh, the pain, the pain. And I, I'm really unsure what the show wants from me. Like, I, I don't even know that the show realizes it's doing this in many ways with its, its message. It seems obsessed with getting me to feel attached to poor nice guy Arata, who got picked on by Taichi. Everything's so hard for him. Love him. Isn't he a cinnamon roll? And, like, Taichi, on the other hand, is he's rich, sometimes he's mean, he gets frustrated and angry at losing, he has this, like, wide array of emotions. Hey, someone's gotta be Kyo, okay? Yeah, someone's hmm. gotta be, someone's gotta be. And I, I got more realism out of his character, and it's not necessarily that I'm rooting for him more or less than Arata, it's just, I'm really annoyed at the show, like, you know, berating me with this idea of, oh, look at the cinnamon roll, you should... You should be all about that cinnamon roll and kind of saying, if you don't have natural talent, you have no way to succeed. Even if that's the truth in Karuta, don't tell me that. Like, that's <laughs> mm -hmm. that's mean and horrible. This is and a bad lesson for children. Yeah, don't do that. Like, I don't think that's what they're going for because, you know, numerous times they've stated that hard work does get you places. So, whatever. Anyway, the last shout out I want to give... Um, is to the amazing story they give to two of the adult characters. And I'm talking adult. Like, one woman is in her 30s. Uh, she used to be the queen, like an unstoppable queen. And she left for maternity leave. Uh, she comes back, and her friend is like, You're 34. It's all downhill for you. Like, why are you even back? Why are you trying? And she goes through this self-reflection of, like, why, I'm a mother now. Shouldn't that be enough? Like, why am I coming back to this sport? Why am I doing these things that cause me to be, like, away from my family and stuff? Am I a terrible mom? Mm, well, and right. it's this beautiful reflection. And in the end, what I loved about it is she says, no, I want things for me. And I'm allowed to want things for me. And nice. she goes for it anyway. And she's winning. And I was like, yes, show. Yes. And uh, the other one is Dr. Harada, who we've been following for a while. This guy's like 60. Um, his knees are given out. And this man makes it to... Uh, we've cut off where they're fighting for who's going to go to the Queen and Masters playoff. And he is in it. Dr. Harada is in it against Arata. And I, I know he's not going to win, but I so badly want him to. <laughs> School and that youngster. Yeah, I'm like, take him out. Take him out. And you know what? Dr. Harada is full of confidence and love for the game. And he's like, hey, I'm sick of hearing that it's just all about youth in Karuta. I have been playing this game since I was in my early 20s. I got a lot on you, kid. Just because your knees work doesn't mean you got me. So that was very encouraging because you never see anything done with adult characters. Yeah, really. Especially to, old adult characters. Right. Like, for wow. it to not just be these older adult characters, but to be tackling things that, like, you know, we're all in our 30s that we can relate to, right? Really, really good writing. Um, so, yeah. So, show, stop hammering the cinnamon roll arata nonsense like i i don't like him now because of the way the show has presented <laughs> him to me congratulations you now pushed, i hate him you pushed him too hard and now i'm and now i'm no longer invested right like i can't be unless he starts losing a little bit and and everything stops just going his way all the time and he being a sad panda like ugh it's kind of nauseating. Anyway, uh, this is a full core, so it's still going. So I get to watch more of it this season. Super excited. And hopefully it restructures itself a little bit. So, mm. yes. Uh, if you're already on this boat, you're already on this boat. And I really hope you did get on. For all my complaining, Chihayafuru is fantastic. Very, very different from a lot of sports shows you're going to watch. So you should have gotten on this boat, hopefully, in season one when I hyped Start the swimming. out of it. Get on that. All right, what's next, yo? Well, uh, 
One thing that was pretty cool over this uh, holiday break was that uh, Carol and Tuesday dropped in its entirety on Netflix, so I finally got a chance to catch up to the second season of that. Uh, I was a latecomer to this show after you folks recommended it to me and plowed through the first season because it was just unlike anything else I had seen in a really long time. And for the most part, the second season keeps up a lot of the momentum um, the music is as good, if not better than before. I can still, it's probably the only anime in a long time where I can still hear myself like humming some of these songs, you know, weeks huh, after seeing nice. it. Part of that, of course. Dan, is be- please tell me you and Diana hum dancing laundry while you're folding <laughs> your laundry. Like I kind of do sometimes. Oh, <laughs> uh, got to get down on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, part of it may be just because most of the songs are in English, so they're easier for me to memorize. But that aside, it's not the kind of music I normally listen to, but I still really enjoy it. It's all really well made. Almost pretty much all of the songs are, you know, memorable and enjoyable in the moment and after the fact. Um I like the fact that they remain the focus uh, whenever they are being played. It doesn't usually cut away to other people talking about it or other people in like separate scenes other than to sort of reinforce. Did let the music speak for itself? Good Lord. Exactly. That's the, that's the core of it, and that's what I really love. Um, animation and production quality in general is still really good. The direction is great. Love the uh, environments. Um, I will say that the story does kind of meander a little bit now. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of brought up and then very quickly resolved, and we don't really get to let things play out in a real natural way at some points. Um, it feels like they're just kind of in a rush to get to a final a final point. And so tons of stuff just, again, kind of comes and goes really rapidly. Um, it's not done badly, it just feels like it needed a little bit more breathing room. Um, and there's also some kind of like well-intentioned but questionable uh, stuff brought up about um, uh, about uh, queer and um, gender non-conforming characters that is just like, I know that you didn't mean for this to be insulting, but it comes off as a bit condescending now and then. Hmm. So maybe next time... Talk to some more of these people, do a little bit more research. Maybe it's just an issue with the translations and the way that they decided to interpret what some of these things are. Uh, just sometimes bugged me a little bit, and I just hope that you know they could come to a little bit more of a clear picture uh, in the future if they ever decide to make more. But at this point, uh, that seems unlikely. I think it was probably just those two, um, those two seasons. Uh, based on the way that this one ended. But, you know, Mm, I would not turn my own nose up at more if they decided to make it. Nice. Yeah, but again, minor complaints overall, still fantastic. You guys were absolutely right. Uh, Go out, watch the show. It's all on Netflix. It is totally worth your time. Cool. I love this show so much. Watch this show. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of shows that uh, seem generally beloved, uh, I think we're going to be wrapping up with something that uh, Sue has been following for quite some time and I relatively recently got on the train for. Yes, yes. So we're My Hero Academia. Season four is here. Yeah, Dan, I'll be really interested in your take because I think we've only gotten my take. I don't think I know. We've only gotten my take so far. So Um, far, yeah. Yeah, so I'll I'll go in and then... uh, Dan, if you want to just chain off of me wherever you need to. Sure. So I really feel like the show is a fresher breath air for for shonen shows everywhere. There's so much positivity, camaraderie, just radiating out of every inch of of this show. Like every time I think something cynical is going to happen or that new characters that are introduced are just going to become adversaries or backstabbers, the show just throws that back in my face and laughs. And I, I love everyone. Each new character that comes in is, is like a part of this ever-unfolding family that I always want to spend time with. Um, so I, I really love it. So this wow, season right. introduces one of the darkest villains I've, I've seen out of the show. He's also a little bit OP. His quirk mm. is a bit, a bit much. Let's, I'll get into that a little later. Um, so there's a, a child named Aerie whose quirk basically allows for the removal of quirks by affecting their, their DNA. So it, it permanently removes your quirk. Uh, it, it takes out the genes that correspond to your quirk. Uh, so the lead villain Pretty is basically potent. removing parts of this small girl, like cutting off parts of her to create drugs 
that will render quirks obsolete. That's his whole thing. Now his ability is his his uh, name is Overhaul, and he is his ability is to reconstruct and deconstruct anything, living or non-living. And I don't know if his quirk works like Full Metal Alchemist. Like, whatever he deconstructs, that's the only matter he can use to reconstruct. I think that's how it's supposed to work, because the show has generally been grounded in realism. Dan, I don't know what you got out of watching it. I think that's how it's implied, and for the most part, we don't really see him doing much more with what he has than what he what he is given. I mean, obviously, things are bent a little bit for dramatic effect, but I d- it doesn't seem like, you know, he can't dissolve he he can't dissolve a lamppost and make a person out of it or, or whatever he's he seems to be bound at least generally by the laws of conservation of mass so that much is appreciated I, though i do agree his power is very generously interpreted at certain points right it feels hmm. like a plot device like very very late you know where we are now he deconstructs someone's body along with his parts of his own body and then reconstructs like he has four arms now and one of them are like claws because he reconstructs out of the the matter that came from this person's body onto himself and i'm like how how are you not in like excruciating pain and just dying right now holy macaroni or you know one of his subordinates he like touches his head really quick as he's flying through the air and he's like oh i like i've cured your translated right i cured he got a concussion and he like cures his concussion something along those lines yes it was so it was translated as like i healed your head and i was like hulu what were you trying to say is that how that works (laughs) yeah so my husband was like his power is so op and i was like i know uh, it's it's very bizarre. But anyway, um, yeah, so this is a very dark villain. Anyway, this is not, you know, what I'm used to in this show. Like, we're not watching bodies get chopped up or anything. This ain't Babylon. But <laughs> I thought you just said he chopped up the girl. He does chop up this girl, but it's basically... They figure that out. It's only ever implied. That's never outright shown. Okay, so. okay. In the last episode, it was. So, Dan, I don't know if you caught the one recently, but... You know, she's sitting in a chair, she's bleeding, yeah. and he very clearly has sliced some, but it's like shot from afar, Scott. So like you see her arm bleeding, and her arms and legs are always wrapped in bandages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you know he's like cutting little parts of her off and mm-hmm. then reconstructing them. You know, the implications are almost worse in some right. ways. Say, that's fairly, it's fairly it. gruesome to think about, yeah. It is very gruesome, yeah. Yeah, the, the show is not shying away from darker content, and I think it's one of those situations where it's kind of aging with its audience. Because yeah, this is very much aimed, yeah. This is very much aimed at you know the early to mid teens crowd initially, like the very beginning, I mean, the first. It's uh, a scene. shonen show. Yeah. that's their target demo. Absolutely, yep. but it has been getting darker and more serious over time, and the implications of its world are becoming more severe. Not so rapidly that it feels like a huge tonal shift. It's been over the arc of the entire show, and I think okay. that's where it's. I think that's where it succeeded a lot. Is that changes that would have felt jarring had they been more compressed are given that time to breathe. Um, so I do, I do really appreciate that. I think that, you know, the, the meta arc of the show has been very successful, even if, you know, I think that some of the seasons were stronger than others overall. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so this season, you know, as we've kind of implied, introduced more complex ideas about superpowers, the ideas of heroes and villains. Like, I love the lead villain in that it's such a neat angle, like in this world full of superpowers, where normally in a shonen show, it's like, my superpowers are the best. Like, Chisaki or Overhaul is like, I think quirks are disgusting. They're a disgusting plague that we as humanity have and they're causing a hubris. It is my job as a cleanser to get rid of them. I was given this quirk so that I could do the duty that no one is capable, you know, or or too afraid to do. And Scott, you had to point this out to me. He wears this big beak mask. A because oh, yeah, I th- yeah. Yeah, so he looks, um, as you told me, like a classic European plague doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beak mask. Yeah, yeah so I didn't, doctor. I didn't know that. I was just like, look at this ridiculous mask, and so you had to tell me that. So it just it fits, you know, the theme fits, his outfit fits. 
it's a it's a really interesting take you know on on that idea and anyway i i like it quite a bit um so yeah the the other problem with this show is that it does start to fall into a shonen trap um it wastes about four or so maybe five solid episodes on the heroes running around in this big underground facility looking for overhaul and it you know i was like oh no namek will explode in five minutes 20 episodes <laughs> later chisaki will explode in three minutes how many episodes has it been you guys are putting a lot of effort into trying to make us empathize with a bunch of faceless goons and it's really not working <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did like that other characters, other main characters, good guys, are are getting the spotlight because it, it just keeps adding to this idea of, of like a family. It's not like it's all about Midoriya mm-hmm. and, and All Might. You know, everyone has a part to play and everyone's trying to be, be a hero. But it, it was a lot. And I think they needed to tighten that up a little bit. But we get to meet some new heroes who are super cool. Dragon Lady for the win. Um yeah, so it's a full core show. I'm looking forward to more in the upcoming oh, nice. three months. So, you know, once again, if you're on this boat, you're on this boat. Otherwise, be like Dan and get on this boat quick. Right. <laughs> jump, jump on. It's an easy show to, you know, get into. It's very, it it moves at a clip pace, especially in the beginning. So you can very quickly kind of jump into the, uh, the parts of it that are fun. Um, if you haven't already caught up and you're interested, there's no time like the present. Um but uh, yeah, I'd say for me, the only other critique of the current season that uh, Sue hasn't really mentioned is while I do like several of the new characters that they have introduced, uh, Mirio is fantastic. He did his character did Mirio, not, yes. He did not. His character did not end up being what I expected, and I was very pleasantly surprised. He is, you know, he is great. I really like when a character who's very uh, who's very clearly shown to be like some kind of a rival or a foil or whatever at the beginning ends up being like a mirror of the main character and actually like in- they encourage each other and it's just what i mean dan that cynicism just gets just swept under the rug they're like yeah. no 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 they're total bros and it's great but um but i feel like in the rush to introduce a lot of these characters we have neglected a huge swath of the family that we had made before except for um except for mirio or um sorry except for midoriya almost all of the other characters have taken a complete backseat this season they have been either off screen or barely involved in the uh in the proceedings and i feel like that's like we we got we spent so long making them into this family making them into this unit and you know them learning how to use their abilities individually and in some cases together uh that it feels like a little bit of a disappointment that we don't get to see them working together more i get the feeling that's going to be changing as we you know as we start to wrap up things here and move into the next season but i was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get a bit more time with them except for that one pervert kid he can stay back there off screen now for as ever long as it takes Oh my gosh, he is the worst, like the absolute worst. I, that's a very good point, Dan. He, you know, all the girls get sidelined. I mean, Red Riot kind of comes into his own, but he does. You're yeah. right. You're right. The the family that we built, even you know, not just the girls, but even the other guys, the girls especially get sidelined. Oh yeah. But the the other people we we really liked also don't make an appearance. Mm-hmm. But again, that may just be one of those things that in the overarching story of the show is just a temporary situation that was meant to work us through this darker chapter and that now that that is coming to a close we'll have more opportunities for to getting the gang back together we'll see how it ends up i'm still excited to see how this wraps up shortly dan namek will explode in two minutes (laughs) well then we better get on it true true. we got 12 episodes left i know hurry up so, yeah, well, I think we talked more than we thought we did about a very lean season. So if you watched some of these shows, uh, drop us a comment on the site. If you didn't, I hope you pick up the ones we tell you to pick up. And don't pick up Babylon. We're falling yeah, or, on this sword or, for you. Yeah. Or make my abilities average. You'll just be disappointed. Yeah. All righty. Tune in next time, guys. Have a good one. 
This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.